Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to go back to Psalms. We're going to be in Psalms 65. Uh, the title of this psalm is To the Chief Musician, a Psalm of David, a Song. Um, from some of the things that uh, are said in this psalm, we, we don't know the exact occasion of it. It's been suggested that this could be uh, composed for a, a, fe- a harvest festival, uh, perhaps the Feast of Tabernacles uh, during this time, and it very well could by some of the things that are, are mentioned in this psalm. Uh, but as, as we go through this, we'll see, I, I think this psalm is kind of unique in the fact that uh, David is not asking for uh, relief from his enemies. He's not pleading with God for uh, something of this nature. It's actually just praising God. It can be broke down probably in three uh, three different sections of of praising God, of of seeing God's uh, uh, grace and His power that He can, the things in which He does, but also the provisions in which He provides, um, and that's why I think some uh, contribute this to the Feast of Tabernacles because it was a time to remember uh, to remember God, especially when you know when He brought them out of Egypt, how He took to uh, took care of them in the wilderness. Uh, you know, during this time, they were supposed to uh, uh, live in booze as they did uh, during that time. And if you remember, uh, I think it's John, can you put up John 7 and 37, if you don't mind, uh, Titus? I meant to put that on there. I got to thinking about that. Notice it said in the last days that uh, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Uh, it's been uh, uh, said probably that this may have been at the time of, of, of this very time of the, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Harvest Feast, that Jesus did. Because what happened uh, from some of the, the Jewish writers, they would get into some rituals during this. And one of them was, if, if I'm correct in this, of, of some of the things that I studied about it, the priest would take a golden pitcher and they would go, especially on the last day, it became more dramatic, uh, the seventh day there, where they would actually leave the tabernacle, come down and go to the pool of Salaam, get water, come back up, and then, then pour it out. And there was a lot of things that it was to represent, but many think that it came from uh, Zechariah uh, 14, where it says, out of Zion would pour out the living water. And this may be very well why Jesus got up on this day and said, if you thirst, he was the living water. Uh, uh, so as... As a lot of things do, some of the rituals become just that, not with the intended meaning sometimes. But nevertheless, if, if this was the time in which this was composed, it, it could have been a time of, of thanking God. It could have been after a great battle, even a time of harvest. I think it goes more, though, not just a time of harvest, of thanking God for the harvest that they have, for the bounties that they have. I think it's just... It goes into a little more than that, I believe, that we're going to see of, of thanking God for putting forth the provisions in which they could have the harvest. Uh, creation itself, uh, nature itself, of, of the things that God created to be able to produce those things. Not just the harvest itself, but the things that were in place in order to have that harvest. And I think that's what we forget sometimes. You know, we can thank God you know, for, you know, the, the, the bountiful things that we can enjoy on this earth. But I think sometimes we do forget of how He 
set things in order and how he prepared some things, and that's how this psalm is going to describe some of these things, how he set these things in order, in order for these things to take place. Um, you know, if you, if you were to look at just a loaf of bread, what's all involved to get that loaf of bread? There's quite a bit, isn't it? But it still traces all the way back to it has to come to where the things in which God said in order for that to even be possible. You know, we can thank him for the bread. We can thank him, you know, just for the ground. We can thank him for the weed itself. We, I mean, you, you can keep backing it all the way up. But I, I think what this psalm does is, is really thanking God for his, his awesome power of having the provisions to have all the things that we have on this earth. Uh, uh, possible for rain, for the sunshine, for, for all the, the food that we're able to eat. All of these things... God has set in motion in order that we can have these things. And I think these are some of the things in which, which David is, is thanking God for here. But let's, let's break it down. Let's start with uh, Titus, if you will, the first three verses. It says, Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion, and to you the vow shall be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for me. So here we see why praise is waiting for God. Uh, notice he says here, praise is waiting for you, O God, in Zion. You know, if, if, is this where they're, if it's where they're gathered here for the feast, uh, Josephus said there could be a million to two million people uh, in Jerusalem during this time. And, and if you can imagine awaiting uh, uh, that time of, of coming together to thank God, to praise God. You know, we're coming up a time here just next month where we think of Thanksgiving, of, of thinking of a time to, to be thankful for the things in which we have. That's basically what they, they would do during this time is uh, uh, remembering God and thanking God for what He did. But He says, praise awaits you. And if you go to the original Hebrew of awaits, it actually talks about a silence. So how can you talk about a silence but also praising God at the same time. How, how do you praise God with silence? Is that exactly what he's talking about? Okay, there, uh, uh, silence is awaiting you. You know, if you go and really look, it, it, it becomes a time to where this, this praise is so important and, and God is so much a part of this and they're thanking God that it's that buildup, that anticipation, that, that silence of what they're about to enter into. Uh, it's almost like a planning, it's like a waiting, you know. Think of it, I got to thinking of it in terms of this. If, if, if we think about the time that we come together to worship God, okay? Think about everything that goes through our minds, think about everything that we think about, think about how we, our mindset as we enter into this. Is our mindset of that anticipation of praising Him, of, of singing songs of praise to Him, of, of worshiping Him, of, of thankfulness and gratitude with God. What is our mindset? Is it just this anticipation to where we're, we're, we're in silence just waiting for the presence of God to be able to do that? Is that what we think about or do we just think, okay, it's time to walk through the door, let's get this over with and go home? It, it, it's a different mindset, isn't it? It's... it's uh, and I, I'm sure I told this before. I, I learned this at the first village, or, or excuse me, the first village went to in India when they were dedicating a building. 
And I could remember seeing the people, they were coming in, they were taking off their shoes, they were putting things over here, they were doing all of this and, and coming in. It was almost like a little ritual they were doing. My mind said, they're putting too much emphasis on this building. So that's what I started preaching on. I, I started, it's not about the building, it's not about the blocks, it's not about, and about no more than five minutes into it, uh, Brother Ratnam looked at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, what, what are you, you know, so I, we kind of stopped for a minute, and that was, there was only two times that he interpreted for me there, and this was one of them, and I was embarrassed, but he did teach me something. I, I, I said, well, they're, they're, they're putting too much emphasis on the building. It's almost like a ritual. They're taking off their shoes. They're going through all this thing, and he said, it's not about that. He said, they're leaving everything outside. When they come in to worship God, it's, it's about nothing other than them worshiping God. They're putting everything else outside, outside. And boy, I felt about that tall. <laughs> you know, that, that's one of many times I felt about that tall over there. Uh, and it got me thinking about my mindset of entering into worship. My mindset of, of, of when I enter into prayer with God, what do I really think about? When I'm entering into worship, when we're singing songs, when we're you know, doing things, like, what, are, what is my mindset in doing this? Uh, I think sometimes we can get in, I believe that's what Jesus was talking about in John 7, I think sometimes we can get into just the ritual part of something and, and our mindset is just about going through the things other than truly thinking about why we're doing it, truly thinking about the purpose behind doing it. And then sometimes I think we can't see the forest for the trees. As Jesus you know, got up and said, you know, if, if you're thirsty, I'm the living water. Not, not just what you see, of the, you know, if, if that's what was happening, the priest pouring out the water from, you know, become this whole thing of that water's going to uh, literally pour out there. Jesus said, I, I'm the water that's going to be pouring out. If you're thirsty, you come to me. That, that's where the true living water is. And I think sometimes we do that. We, we, we can't see that Jesus is that because we're looking at, at the, the, the tangible thing. We're looking at, okay, uh, this is what I'm seeing in front of me. This is what I'm thinking of other than thinking of, who does that truly come from? It's not just about the water. It's about truly who is the water. Where does the water come from? Who sustains our life? Not just the water itself. And I, I think that's what he's going in and talking about here, kind of setting the stage of, of, of praising God, how that praise is await. And he said, to you the vow shall be performed, O you who hear prayers. Now think about it. Uh, when, when it comes to these vows, of course there were, there were different vows that were made. But when you think of it in the terms of, okay, I'm thanking God for what he's done. I know he's answered my prayer. Is there something that I'm dedicating to him? God, this is, it's not about bargaining with God. I vow to you, I'll do this if you do this. It's about, well, just think about, do we make any vows today? Is there any vows that we make? Is, is obedience to the gospel, is baptism in essence a vow? What, what am I telling God when I'm obeying Him and I, I submit to His will to do what He says to obey? What am I saying to Him? Yeah, this is, what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm dedicating my life. I'm dedicating my life to be a living sacrifice. It's not that we're bargaining and saying, okay, I've got to have this ritual vow. It's about uh, this is what... I'm going to do. I, I see what you're doing for me, God. I, 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 I see the bounty that's there. I see that promise of eternal life. I see all these things that you laid out, and, and it, it just calls to me 
you know, that God draws us to Him through His Word. So I hear that Word, I believe that Word, and what I'm saying with my life, with my action, this is what I vow to do to, for you. I vow to live my life, a living sacrifice for you, walking in the light. Um, I think another vow, in essence, that a lot of people don't take seriously, marriage vows. What am, I, what am I promising God? What am I promising my spouse? What am I saying? This is, you know, this is something that you created, God. This is something that I'm dedicating my life to, and this is something that I'm going to do until death do us part. That's why any marriage ceremony that I perform... I always include what God separates, no man has a right, or what God joins together, no man has a right to separate. Because it's God that joins that together, and, it, it, it's, and it's us that's making that commitment to that. It, it's about commitment. Uh, I think when he's talking about this here, and he's saying that praise awaits him, um, and that your vow shall be performed, uh, that, uh, and to you the vow shall be performed on you who, who hears prayers, they're saying, okay, we're, this is the time that we're recognizing what you're doing for us. We're recognizing the bounty, the provisions. We're recognizing that, that wonderfulness that is, is you, God, of, of what you've done. And we're giving back to you these first fruits. We're giving back to you our life. We're giving back to you our obedience of, of what we said. This is what we will do. Um, and I think we don't take those things as maybe as seriously as we should. We don't take our obedience as seriously as we should. We don't take, uh, um, you know, our obedience of, you know, as Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now notice what he says, though. He says, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So when I obey God, that's my reasonable service to do, isn't it? That, that's what I said I'm going to do. Jesus said, Whoever, whosoever will... Uh, come after me. Take up your cross daily and follow after me. That's the commitment that I make to do. That's what he requires for me to do. And that's what I'm saying that I'm going to do. Because here's what he does for me. It's not me bargaining. Okay, I'll, God, I'll do this if you do that. Everything that I do is based on what I see that God has done and what he requires of me. And I make that commitment back to him uh, through my obedience and my service. So I think it's more of a a, a, a service vow, more of a, an action vow than it is just saying the words because it's never been just about saying the words, is it? You know, I, I don't say it if I don't do it. Jesus said, with their mouth they honor me, with their lips they honor me. But does that mean that they're serving him? No, it's, it, we may say one thing and do something else. I, I, I make my vow, I, I pledge my obedience, I, I follow what he says to do based on doing those things. And again, because he deserves it. Look at all that he provides uh, for us. He said, to you all flesh will come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you provide atonement for him. Now here again, he's talking about how all flesh comes to him. Okay, it's through that obedience. But what has to be... Uh, there's two things that has to happen for this to be complete. Can I have forgiveness if I don't recognize how these sins prevail? If I don't have conviction, can there be forgiveness? Can I have one without the other? Can I have forgiveness if I'm not willing to admit what these sins are doing? 
that their sins are there, to, these transgressions are there. Notice what he says. Iniquities prevail against me. You think David recognizes his sins? Recognizes his weaknesses? Recognizes that he's missed the mark on things? He says, as for our transgressions, you provide atonement for them. So there has to be atonement for sins, aren't they? There has to be this, this way of, of forgiveness. Now, I, I read several things where it gets into talking about all the sacrifices that are made in the Old Testament, that this is what David was referring to. Uh, when it comes to atonement, I, I don't know that I believe that. I, I believe it go, David is going much farther than that. I believe what David is recognizing that God has to provide the atonement. He's, he even says here, you will provide atonement for them. David realizes it's, it, it's got to be God's plan for these prevailing sins to be atoned for. And, and God's plan wasn't for animal sacrifices to do that, was it? What was his ultimate plan? Yes, it's through Christ. God, God does provide it. And I, I think David is reaching farther than just those, those sacrifices there. I think he's reaching to recognizing, okay, here, here's where it comes down to, God. We're ready to praise you. We're, we're, we're anticipating this praise. Here, here's, here's how we're going to live our life for you. And we realize that these sins prevail against us, but we realize that you provide atonement for these transgressions. So it's again, thankfulness to God. Here, here's where we're at in sin. Here's what you're able to do. Here, here's where we were. Here's how you provided. You know, that was the whole purpose of, what was it, the three feasts that, that they were, is, is to remember this is what God has done. And, and, and we still need to remember. I, you know, I, that's one thing as I think back and, and, and read and study and, and realize each moment there was these, these markers of, okay, they did this, to remember what took place there, to remember what God did. Now, God set forth these things to, to, and we can have a whole series of lessons on all the things that God put forth for them to remember, but everyone really was the same in the essence of remembering what God has done. Here's where you're at, here's how you got here, and here's who made all that possible. Don't ever forget that. That goes back to you know the bread. Okay, we've got the bread... But how did it get here? Okay, we can remember this process, this process, but it still all goes back to God provided the process for us to have this. So everything else that they were doing, everything else they're praising God for, you've got to recognize that it's God that is doing this. And I think here he's setting the stage for what he's going to talk about the rest, uh, the other parts of the song is, is praising God and then he's going to start listing all the things in which God has power over that God has put in process, God has put in motion for all these blessings to come. Um, but again, don't get called up in though, if, if we put it in today's terms, don't get called up in missing, uh, missing why we do the things in which we do and where these blessings come. It all starts back from a gift from God. If He didn't provide the way None of that would matter anyway. None of this would matter anyway, would it? So all of these things we can, we can trace back. It's just like a marriage. Many times people put all their stock in the wedding. All the layout of the wedding, the ritual of the wedding, the mechanics of the wedding, all of that is, is up for that one day and don't give a second thought of what marriage truly means. 
They, they don't even think about what it's really about. And, and I, I truly believe that's how people approach their religious life sometimes. They, they put it all in just the, the motions, just the mechanics of how it looks, of, 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 of what's involved in just the mechanics of it, and not the real reason behind it. Okay, you, you, you're making this commitment. Now, how are you going to live this commitment out? How, where does it start from? Where does it come from? How are you going to get through those hard moments? How are you going to get through those hard times? And that's why people, when they face that first trial, it seems like they can't overcome it because they didn't give it any thought. They didn't count the cost of, of what it, it really is. Any thoughts before we move on from verses 1 through 3? Yeah. It's how we focus on just the yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it comes back to, to the teaching of it that we, well, it's just like I, I always try to go back to when when I started out, I was I was always taught what to do, and but that's all I was taught. And then when I tried to explain it to somebody else, all I could tell them you got to do this, and I could tell them the verses on where to do that, but the why behind it, I was lost on. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know why. You know, I didn't know why we... And there is things, I mean, we, we go through these things because I think habit produces us doing that. Uh, I think I heard, I either read an article or heard a sermon one time of a person said when our, our, I think how he put it was when our duty becomes desire. You know, when you go through these rituals, you go through these things in which God has us to do, you do those things out of a sense of duty and out of a sense of commandment but at some point, they, they need to be our desire to do them. And I think that's what, what Titus was getting to there. It, it's not in the ritual. It's how what the ritual is designed to do for us, but yet sometimes it misses the mark on it. Is that what you were trying yeah. thinking about saying? Mm-hmm. It becomes, I heard a person one time talk about the Lord's Supper when he got asked, and he, I think then he said he'd been going to church 25 years, and somebody asked him, he said, well, it's just something we do. Didn't have any reason didn't have any reason why. Well, whose fault? Who, whose fault is it when you get to that point when all you do is just, just know? You know, you just know this is what you're supposed to do and, and not know why you're supposed to do it. I think... It, that's absolutely right. It goes back to teaching. That's one thing I like about here at Center Grove. You can see it in the Bible classes. You can see it in, in the sermons of, of, the, of the teachings of, of the why, 
of the teachings of the, you know, I, there, there are several subjects in particular that's, that's important to me that I learned the why more clearly when I started coming here on, on a lot of different things. Uh, just simply because of, you know, the, the foundation of teaching all the way through, uh, all the, way through the classes too. Um, and it does come to that. And you can see here that, that David is looking beyond what's just right here. He's, he's looking to the Messiah. He's looking and, and, and he knows where this, the, the plan, he may not fully know the plan, but he knows God has the plan. And it's not just what's in front of him. It, it, it goes much more than that. And, and I believe that's where the thanksgiving, and I think that's the only way that thanksgiving can truly come. Is, is truly having a, a, a knowledge and understanding, a in-depth look of, of, of God, of who He is, of what He reveals to us anyway, to truly know, okay, He's asking us this because this is what He's wanting from us. It's like a child that should learn from their parents. You know, when you start out, there's things in which you teach your children you know, they just do, and you, you try to have consistency. You try to have these ritual things. You do these things for these teaching moments. They just have to trust you just to do it. They may not like doing it sometimes. They may not understand fully why they're doing it. But as a parent, you, you constantly teach that. And it's going to come a point to where that, that part of the teaching goes to the understanding part of the teaching. Okay, all these things that you were taught to do, here's why you need to do them. Because when you're faced with this or you're faced with this. And, and that's the way God teaches us, isn't it? Through His Word. You know, there's many times that Jesus said, there's more that I want to teach you, but you're not ready for it yet. So Jesus just gave them what they were ready for, and He, and he built upon that. Um, that's where true understanding comes. And I think, again, that's where you're seeing true gratitude and true thanksgiving uh, come from. Any other thoughts before we move on? Let's look starting here. Uh, uh, I may have missed verse 4. Did I miss 4 or did I read 4? Okay, yeah. Blessed is the man who choose, that you, man you choose, and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be uh, satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. By awesome deeds and righteousness you will answer us. O God of our salvation, you who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of the far off seas, who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power, you who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their ways, and the torment of the people. Notice how he starts out. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. Now when you think about uh, who God chooses, how does God choose? And who is he talking about here? Um, some, that, some suggest that he's talking about the priest. Because God told chose the priest to do certain things, that that's what he's referring to. I, I don't know that I, that I see that because he talks about in the courts. Everyone was allowed in the courts, so I don't think he's just talking about, uh, talking about the priest. But you think about how God provides, you know, he chose a nation. He, he chose a nation here. He gave them direction in which to build that nation and the things which to build, and that's, where, where we're at here through that building of that nation and the things in which they're doing, God does that, and he does it by drawing them to him by the things in which he says. Here's what you do. 
here's the, the rewards for doing that. Here's, here's where you... Uh, I'm having trouble explaining what I want to explain here. When it, especially with, with the children of Israel there, as God is building that nation, He chose them, but He chose them through a pattern. Okay, here's who you are. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what you have to do to stay within that covenant. And we know how the history goes with that. But notice how David says this, Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of of all that he provides of your holy temple. So think about it today in these terms. God sets forth his plan. When we're a part of that plan, as he, he, he chose the plan, he chose here's how we become involved in that, here's how we have to accept it through his obedience, we can be fully satisfied in that because God provides everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness, he says. He, he provides everything that we need within those boundaries of, of following his will. So if you keep this in the pattern in which David is talking, we should be satisfied. We shouldn't be looking for anything else. We shouldn't be dissatisfied. We shouldn't be murmuring and complaining. We should be totally filled with what he provides for us. So if, if we, again, if we can come into it with that thankfulness, with that frame of mind, then again, that's where true praise, that's where true thankfulness, that's where true obedience comes from, is to realize that everything we need, everything that we're looking for, that we're striving for, everything that we seem to be wandering aimlessly and can't fulfill that need that we have, it's with God all along. That, that's what's going to fulfill it. That's what's going to make us satisfied. And that's what we have to uh, realize. But... As we've seen with the children of Israel, man doesn't stay satisfied with that because we do become ungrateful. We do become forgetful. We do uh, uh, look out and think, well, the grass is greener over here. You know, because in our minds it becomes tough. It becomes hard. It, it shouldn't be this hard. But can God still provide fullness? Can he still provide joy even in suffering that we may face while we're obedient to him? Can we still have it? Do we still want it? You know, we, we have this feeling that, or understanding maybe, that with, with suffering there can't be joy, with trials there can't be joy, and ultimately there can't be fulfillment, so we're dissatisfied, so we, we start looking other places. Uh, but David, if you look throughout all the Psalms that we've studied even thus far, David, even in his worst times of calling God to pull him out of the pit, did he ever become dissatisfied with God? Did he ever think that God couldn't fulfill the needs that he had, even in those dark times? See, I think here again, that's where he's expressing, that's how he's expressing this. And he goes on by, by talking about the things in which God provides. And as far off as the seas, who established the mountains by strength, being clothed with power, ye who still the noise of the sea, the noise of the waves, the torment of the people. Um, they also who dwell in the farthest part are afraid of your signs. You make the outgoing of the morning and evening rejoice. Now, as we see him going through each one of these parts, um, He's showing the power of God, the ability to God, and 
the origin of where these provisions come from, of what God is, is able to do. And again, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. But in the, uh, can we go back to verse 4? Uh, I forgot where I, there's something I want to say about, oh, he says of your holy temple, by awesome deeds and righteousness you will answer us, O God, our salvation, who are, uh, you who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth. And he goes in to describe how. You think about what maybe he's thinking about here, or you think about the things in which we've seen throughout uh, the Bible that God, uh, in answer to their prayers and showing his righteousness and showing his power, some of the things that he done that, that brought joy to the people. Uh, for example, with them coming out of one of the things they were supposed to remember of this exodus out of Egypt, you think of them at the Red Sea, how much in despair they were knowing the Egyptian army was behind them, knowing what was in front of them, and then seeing the wonders of God, what He provided, a crossing for them, and seeing the sea closed up in, in, on the armies there. How do you think that made them feel? You think they rejoiced? You think they seen the awesome power of God? You know, uh, what about... Uh, Waking up, and what was it, 185,000 uh, uh, soldiers of Sennacherib there, gone, dead. You think they rejoiced because they seen that? You, you, seeing the power of what God... And there's just example over example of what God was able to do that they seen and, and seen what His power is, seen what His, his righteousness, his, his power, the, how He provided for the people... There shouldn't be anything but thanksgiving that come from them. There shouldn't be anything but thanksgiving that comes from us because of the things that we can look back and we can see and we can trust in. That's why David was able to face the battles that he was able to face each time because he always said, remember when this happened to me, God was here. Remember when this happened, God did this. It wasn't me, it was God that did this. And that's how we need to look at it. That's how we need to see it. And then we can come to him and we can be satisfied and know that he's behind it all, behind the seas, behind the waves, behind the mountains, behind uh, the mornings and the evening, everything. It, it comes down to God uh, himself. Let's go on to 9 through 13 here. It says, You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The rivers of God is full of water. You provide their grain. For so you have prepared it, you water its ridges abundantly, you settle its furrows, you make it soft with showers, you bless its growth, you crown the year with your goodness, and your path drips with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks, the valleys also are covered with grain, they shout for joy, they also sing. Why? Because of God. Look at all the things that he's done. Look at all the things, you know, you start looking at different things and how the Bible describes all these things. I always think of, when I think of things like this, of, of how God was asking Job all of these questions. When Job was questioning, you know, uh, if, I could just, if I could just stand before God, if I could just talk to him and he could answer me, then when God does come in, what does he say? Okay, Job, what about this? Uh, who did this? You know, who made the mountains? Who made the seas? Who told the waves this as far as you could go? Who, who put the sun? Who put the moon? He gave them all of these things that Job couldn't possibly answer when, when God said, where were you when all this happened? 
Job realized, this is, this is above my pay grade. This is, this is beyond me. God, God is far more than I can question because he's the creator of it all. I think this is what David is describing here. David is describing, you're behind it. That's why we're thankful for you. That's why we're grateful for you. That's why we're satisfied with you. That's why we're able to do the things in which we do. Is because of you, we can't do any of that without you. And it's a time to be thankful. It's a time to be grateful uh, for those things. Um, and again, I think that's where we get to. We don't realize that. We, we, we don't think beyond that. We could take what God has put before us, we could take these things and say, okay, here's what God wants us to do, and we can get caught up in just those things and don't go beyond why he set these things in motion and that they come from God in the first place. You know, as, remember when God told them when they were setting up, uh, when they got into land, they were setting up, and he was telling them, you know, you didn't do this. You, you, you didn't build these. You didn't, this, this came from before you. You're, you're reaping the benefits of what somebody else did. Remember that. Honor that. Respect that. Go forward and remember that and do something better with it. Well, it's in essence he's saying the same thing here, but it's going farther back to God himself. We have everything that we have because of God. So we can't go any farther back. I can't take the credit of it. I, I may take the credit of, of the crop in which I get and say, boy, I, I, I really tilled this soil up. Boy, I really fertilized it good. Boy, I really got out here and worked it. And look how wonderful this is. Did I actually do it? Where did it come to start with? You know, as Paul talked about the gospel, about watering it, about planting it, but still the seed had to come from somewhere it, it, it still was there. There's something that still had to happen that has nothing to do with man. It has to do with God. Now, I, I, I take it and, and I do something with it, but it still comes back to God. I, I, can't I can't glorify myself beyond God. And I've got to realize where all these provisions come from. Any final thoughts? This is basically a psalm of, of, of thanksgiving. It's a th psalm of gratitude. Uh, it's a psalm of, of realizing where these true blessings come from, and I, I think it is a good lesson for us. But any final thoughts about it? What does it say when it comes to our righteousness? They're still filthy rags. Yeah. You know, our righteousness is. So, uh, yeah, it all comes back to God. And is it just me or is it 100 degrees in here? <laughs>